Amen, amen. It's, it's great to be uh, with everyone, and we'll be continuing uh, in the book of Luke. We've been studying that out, um, obviously, since uh, going through our campaign in March, and then also um, our thing together. We're back in the book of Luke. Today, we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Uh, and really, the title of our lesson today is Sitting at His Feet. Sitting at His Feet. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 10... Starting in verse 38. Says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Amen. It's an awesome uh, passage, short, jam-packed, um, and really this sort of this comes into uh, flowing on from what we just read about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then also in Luke nine, where we have this context of Jesus resolutely setting his face towards Jerusalem. He's going. He's ready. Going with a purpose, um, and really as as he travels, um, he travels from. Oh, yeah, it does. Sweet. So he's sort of travelling down to here, and then he kind of goes through Samaria, and then he goes down the uh, Jordan Valley here, and then he gets to, uh, basically, to Jericho, and then as they're travelling, he comes down to Bethany, and that's sort of really where we're at. It doesn't say that in this text, but but from other scriptures, we know that uh, Mary and Martha lived in Bethany. And really, Bethany is going to be like the place that he sets up his base camp. Where he, he'll be, that's where he'll he'll travel into Jerusalem multiple times, in and out. It's really where he'll sort of uh, use that as sort of a, a little, um, I guess, little base camp for um, him and his disciples. Um, and so, uh, and again, and then we come to this scene where where Martha sees Jesus. She she invites him, and it probably wouldn't have just been him; it would have been him and his disciples, and that's at least twelve, if not more. And she invites him in. And it's this really unusual scene because back in this culture, single women would not invite rabbis over for lunch or dinner. You just don't do that. That was viewed as, as strange, as almost inappropriate to some degree. And then what's more unusual is for Mary to be sitting at Jesus' feet. That, that would not happen. And if... If you've read much of the Bible, you know what this idea of sitting at Jesus' feet means. It's this idea of saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to listen to your word. I want to be with you. I want to be your disciple. And this is the, the scene we really see here. And, and so our first point this morning will be a life swayed by worry. A life swayed by worry. Again, we obviously got nine, ten chapters of, of background to this. And, and in chapter nine, we even had this interaction of, of Jesus with three potential disciples where they come to him and they have 
different reasons as to why not right now. Right? And, and in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, uh, you have this one guy, and he says, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go bury my father. And the second one, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. We get this, I will follow you, but there's a couple of things I need to do first. And, and really, now we get to this point where we've almost got the fourth invitation, so to speak, to Mary and Martha. What, what will they do? What will they say? How will they interact? It's, it's now Martha and Mary's turn. And in particular, Martha's turn to set excuses aside and really want to follow Jesus. And again, very unusual. This, this call for a female to be a disciple didn't happen back then. But we get this picture that Jesus, whether you're male or female, he wants you to be in a relationship with him. He's an equal opportunity boss. You guys have, you have that term here? Equal opportunity. He, there's no discrimination. He wants everyone. And how awesome is that? And we get this, this scene of, of Martha and, and she's invited him in and there's lots to do, of course. And, and there's Mary sitting at his feet and, and, and you get this idea of, of kind of Martha's almost like, like that's great what Mary's doing, but, but there's work to do first. First we need to, to set the table. First we need to clean the, the kitchen. We need to get ready. There's all these things we need to do. And life really can feel like that, can't it? Life can really feel like that. It's, it's understandable how, how Martha feels. We, we get, you read this and you kind of think, that makes sense. Like, we have this idea of, oh, yeah, I need to raise the kids first. I need to finish university first. I need to maybe retire first. And then, then I will follow. Unfortunately, by then we're too tired. You, it's life set. You're going down a direction. It's too late by then. The time is really now. And again, but it's understandable how Martha feels. She's invited Jesus into her home. And we all know what that's like when you invite someone to your house. Okay, we've got to get the bread. Oh my goodness. Clean the lounge room. Clean the kitchen. There's dirty dishes that have been stacked up for three days now. Um, For me, it's hide the PlayStation so the adults think I'm not a big kid. Um, We need to be respectable. Put on a nice scented candle. And oh my goodness. And Martha is having Jesus over. Someone she calls Lord. Think... The pressure is on. We would all feel that. We'd all be in the same boat as her. And and I know so often for us it's it's when when we have someone over it and tears tears like the, the leads the way with cleaning. Because so often I actually don't think it's messy. <laughs> it seems fine to me, I don't know. But but tear leads the way um, with that. But but if that's again, if that's how we are with each other, imagine how we would be if we were having Jesus over at our house. To not just clean the place, but to put on an epic meal. Not just one course, but like a five-course set meal. Maybe with wine pairings or non-alcoholic pairings to match the different courses. Like, you'd go all out. And really, that's what we see here. A life swayed by concern, by worry. And, and really, concern is unavoidable when we really care about something. Worry comes in when we really 
care. This was a huge deal. And, and again, so it's not that we we don't feel overwhelmed by things. Oh, just don't worry. Just no, but those things will come in for everyone. But it's whether we let them control us. Whether we take them to God and cast them on Him. Say, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so worried, but you know what? Jesus is Lord. And I will cast it on to Him. Again, not that He grants our every wish or or, or anything like that, but, but through prayer, He grants us freedom from that concern. From that worry, from that debilitating worry. The idea of, of being overwhelmed by cares of this world, it, it kind of it reminds me of, of the, uh, the parable of the sower. We've got that third soil that says, the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life. Life's cares and troubles, they, they choke out our faith. And we see that exactly here in this passage. So to give in to, to care and worries of this world is, is a very serious thing. But again, the needs scream for attention. There are things to do. She invited him in, and again, not just one, but she, all his disciples as well would have been there. So this is potentially 13 guys, if not more. Hungry guys who've been walking around like 13 hungry teens that have been racing around all Saturday. They would have been starving. <laughs> And, and the pressure is mounting. And she gets a bit irritated, doesn't she? And now I don't have siblings, but, but if you have siblings, I'm sure you've been in this situation where, what about them? I'm doing all the work in this place. And I'm sure the teens even feel this about their parents. They think, Mom, Dad, why do you make me do all the work? I feel like I'm doing everything. Little do they realise what goes on behind the scenes. Little do they realise. Or that university assignment. Mm -hmm. That group project where you're like, I'm doing all the work. What's going on? This is unfair. We all have those moments where we just feel like this is unfair. And even similar to the communion where things in life seem unfair. And it chokes out our faith. And like Mary, like Martha, we, we also let many things into our lives that, that need to get done. But, but they can sometimes distract us from what's really important. What's truly important. And that is sitting at Jesus' feet. Spending time with God. And, and I think so often we can think, oh, I will, but there's stuff to get done right now. When, when I stop having to wake up so early... For work, then I'll really be able to spend time with God. When, when I don't have the morning shift or the late night shift, then I'll be able to get up in the morning and spend time with my Father in heaven. When I'm retired, when, when, when things aren't so hectic, I'll then be able to make it to all the meetings of the body, to, to the family of God. Then I'll be able to make it, but, but not right now. But we need to realize what is most important in life. What is most important? Again, Martha's complaint is heard this idea of, don't you care, Lord? 
It's an intense question, isn't it? Don't you care? And, and we can feel the same way, even, even like the community. Don't you care that, that, that my loved one is sick? Or that I'm sick? Don't you care that I'm in need? I don't have a job. I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. I, I don't have the good grades yet. I don't have a car. I don't, don't you care, God? I'm, I've got to take care of these things first. Before I can focus on you, these things are overwhelming me. They're getting in the way. A life swayed by worry. Which leads us to our second point. Distorted perception. Distorted perception. Again, one of the problems about giving into worry or having life swayed by worry and and just being so busy that we have no time to really sit at Jesus' feet, is that we, we get all mixed up with our thinking. We get this distorted perception. Things get confusing. Things that we, we would have always said, yes, of course. We start getting all messed up. And we really see that here. Lord, tell my sister to help me with the word. Lord, tell my sister... Like, the person you call Lord and now you're telling them what to do? Something a bit off about that. Lord, Lord, tell my sister to do this. That's kind of even like the disciples back in Luke 9. Well, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but I need to do these other things first. Kind of telling Jesus what... Jesus, Lord, he, He has the same. But yet we can get mixed up in our thinking when we're not sitting at Jesus' feet. And then you have Martha. and Again, she goes and asks a question which is a little bit of a risky one. Don't you care? Uh, I'm Jesus. I'm about to die for you on a cross. Of course I care. But what what a leading question this is. Really, this is Martha sort of trying to manipulate the situation so that Jesus is kind of forced into an answer. Well, yes, I care, so... Mary, it's great you've been trying to listen to my word. Get in there and start doing some kitchen work. (laughs) But Jesus is much wiser than any of us are. And he sees through the situation. And and so often when people ask Jesus to resolve stuff, he quite often flips it around back on them. It's it's very humbling. Again, Martha is putting Jesus in this situation where, where Jesus could have looked very insensitive. And almost mean. But yet Jesus handles it so well. He's like, my sister has left me alone to do all the work. Don't you care? And even just his response, this, this repetition of Martha, Martha, is, is this gentle, loving correction. It's not exasperated. It's not frustrated. It's this gentle, loving correction. And you can just... Feel it. Martha, Martha. I'm, I'm right here in your house. You're, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. This is, this is what's most important. Thank you so much for putting on this big banquet, but, but as you know, I don't go to banquets for food. I go to banquets to help people. I'm not like all the Pharisees who have these big... I just want to spend time with you. And, and that's what he says to us. It says, thank you so much for doing all these things. And, and especially just as we've read the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
us being very practical people, we think, okay, let me go do all these things. Even coming to church, there are so many things to do. Okay, we've got to get this set up. And, and sometimes we can forget to come to Jesus' feet. And Jesus wants to slow us down. He says, yes, get out there, serve, do those things. But, but first, sit at my feet. First, spend time with me. Martha's worry, again, has distorted her perception. She's too busy for Jesus. She has him in her home, yet she's missing this amazing opportunity. Jesus' response, again, is this tender, loving response. Martha is worried and upset about many things. When she's focused on those things, she forgets the most important thing, or the most important person. And these worries take control of her her life. And anxiety and worry, they do that. They distort our perception. They distort reality. Jesus is right there, but the circumstances take control and we can't see it. And we forget about Jesus. Jesus understands that and he wants to correct her distorted perception and he wants to correct ours. Which leads us to our third and final point, the good portion. In verse 42... it says that uh, it says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. That that phrase, Mary has chosen what is better, in, in a lot of other translations actually says, Mary has chosen the good good portion, the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. And it's kind of like this idea of. of uh, of a big banquet where there's all these things to choose from, all these portions of food. And, and you need to pick one part to eat. It'd be great if you could eat it all, but you just can't. You need to pick what you're going to eat at any sort of banquet. You need to pick the right thing. Life hits us and we need to decide what are we going to focus on? What portion are we going to focus on? To correct that distorted perception and not be controlled by worry, we need to choose the good portion. Because even you just look at how Mary is compared to Martha in this situation. Mary, it's, she just seems at peace, doesn't she? She's just at his feet, not worried. And Martha's freaking out. There's so much to do. And sitting at Jesus' feet, it calms us down. Just like in in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mary is experiencing that, and Martha isn't. She's missing it. Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion. And again, it's, it's in, obviously Jesus doesn't tell Mary to get up and help, but then he actually also goes on and, and he compares Mary and Martha. Have you ever been compared to someone? Uh-huh. No one likes to be compared to someone. Maybe if you're the one who's in the right, but still, it's, it's, not, a, it's not the most encouraging thing. But, but he, he compares Mary and Martha. Again, not to... Make her feel really bad, but, but to gently correct her. To get her focused on what's really important. 
Because Martha is, is stuck in this moment of anxiety and depression. And so often, you know, if we were to hear this story, if we were talking with someone and they were telling us this, we would say, you know what? That's messed up. Yeah, Mary should be helping you. Even with the teens, all the teens had to be helping cleaning up. All the teens, like, if one wasn't, I would also be like, that's not good. But, and, and I don't think it's that Jesus doesn't think that, but, but he doesn't just sympathize, he goes beyond that and actually wants to help her spiritually through a situation. I think we need to do that with each other as well. We all get stuck in situations that life is just so unfair. And we do need to sympathize with one another, listen, help, but we also need to gently guide one another through that. Gently guide one another back to Jesus' feet. Again, we we need each other to be able to go back to God. And and again, this idea of this portion being food, we we all love food, right? There's the Great British Bake Off. You've got MasterChef. MasterChef's big here, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's huge in Australia. Yeah. Every person on MasterChef, no matter how where you come, pretty much starts their own restaurant and becomes successful. In Australia, at least. And we love food. The students love cheap food. Yeah. But they love food. Yeah. Apart from James. James is a fancy cook, but that's when we have nice food. Otherwise, it's like Dixie Chicken down on Bristol Road. Um, I love Dixie Chicken. That's one of my favourites. We almost got some Dixie Chicken on the weekend, but anyways. We love food. We love food. Um, we, we all love food, but, but, but in the end... Food, it it goes in and it goes out. <laughs> Obviously, good food, there's some stuff that happens on the way through for sure, I get that. If you're eating Dixie chicken compared to a, a 30 pound steak, there are some different things going to be going on in your stomach, I get that. But in the end, it goes in and it goes out. And there are so many things in this life which are temporary which are temporary. And Jesus saying to Martha, there's one thing needed. There are so many important things, but there's one thing needed. What you're worried about is temporary. But there's one thing needed. And when people are going through tough times, times of discouragement, feeling overwhelmed by all that life is throwing at us, and we get discouraged and our perception gets distorted, the question is, is are, are we sitting at Jesus' feet? Are, how are your times with God going? Like really, not just a quick, let me get this, but, but really a heart-to-heart connection with God. Where we feel that, that peace from taking on Jesus' yoke, from following Jesus. Again, I'm not saying we don't need to deal with things. Just sticking our head in the sand and, um, and, and forgetting about all the worries in life. No, that's, that's probably what we call apathy. That's not caring. We, we need to care. But we need to not let worry and cares of this world rule our life. We need to let Jesus do that. You know, again, we need to let Jesus be our priority. Jesus be our priority and let him take the burden. Then, then we'll be able to handle the rest of this stuff, get that other stuff done and not be overwhelmed, filled with anxiety. Again, and even for some of you, you may think, but my life actually just is too busy. 
Amen. Maybe it is. And maybe there are some things that need to be reordered in life. Some things that you need to reprioritize. We all need to do that at times. Some of us, maybe it's actually not too busy. But some of us, maybe it is. But one way or another, we need to get to Jesus' feet and spend time with him. Again, there's, there's a writer by the name of uh, John Ortberg, and he's written lots of good books, uh, lots of good books actually. And one where he tells a story of uh, he's playing uh, Monopoly. You guys know Monopoly? It's an English game, right? And, uh, and he's playing this game, and he's really competitive with his grandma. He, I, I don't know how old he was at the time, but he really wants to win. And again, it's the game that goes on forever and ever. Does anyone ever win? I don't know. But he's really competitive. And, and he, I believe in one party he loses, and he's really disappointed, and his grandma says, at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. All these, all these things we worry about, or not all, so many of these things we worry about, they go all back in the box at the end of the day. And there, there are a few things that, that need our full attention. And one of those is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That is the one thing that does not go back in the box at the end of the day. That is, that is one of the things, apart from our relationships here and uh, those we know, that is eternal. Apart from us, our relationships, our families, our relationship with God, those things are the things that are internal. The things that truly matter. And we really need to see that. We need to get the, the, the smoke screens out of the way and see what's really there. Again, the, the only thing left is, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do, do, do we long to spend time with God? To be His disciple? Is that, is that really the priority of our life? That everything else bounces off? The foundation for how we are in our relationships? How we are at work, how we are with our families, is that the foundation? Because again, in, in John 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And in Psalm 119, verse 57, he says, He says, You are my portion, Lord. I promise to obey your words. The Lord is our portion. He is that good portion. Again, Mary here is this, this silent example. This silent example, she doesn't say anything. She just sits. And the, the Greek is, is actually, she actually sits herself. She's not asked. She just sits herself at Jesus' feet. She's that silent example. Let's, let's be silent examples. Not, not boasting about, look at all that I'm doing, but, but that our families, our friends, our co-workers, they see that wow, this person really sits at the feet of Jesus. And again, you do that, you really go after that, you will be criticised. As Mary gets criticised here. People say, hurry, we haven't got time for that, what are you doing? Especially if you, if you live with non-disciples, it, what are you doing? Hurry up. But when you say, no, 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 this is the needed thing of the day. And everything else will flow on from there. Let's be, let's be silent examples. What do your children see in the home? What do your flatmates see? Someone devoted to sitting at Jesus' feet? Or someone devoted to getting out and, and sorting all the, the issues of the day? We all know that, right? When emails already start popping up on your phone. And you oh my goodness. And, and we, you really need to step aside from that. 
and spend time with God. Martha, Martha. Matt, Matt. Insert your name. You're worried about so many different things, but only one thing is needed. Only one thing counts. And we, we need to go after that. We need to be a church that is filled with people who long to sit at Jesus' feet. That will change us. That will change his relationships in this room. And that will change those outside this room. Let's be that silent example. Let's be that person devoted to sitting at Jesus' feet. And God will bless this church in ways we don't even comprehend. Amen. I believe we'll have a short fellowship break to uh, go pick up your children and uh, be back for some more uh, songs and praise.